This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to UAP, the Unidentified Alien Podcast. So happy to be back with you. Stephen Diener right here. Karen Curtis over there. Karen, how are you? I'm well. I'm glad we're back. I'm glad you're well. You had a little bit of the vid. Yeah, so I didn't really put Bless it out there. Heart. It was kind of a rough 10 days, not for myself. The whole family. The whole family. And so that's why we didn't have an episode last week. We didn't want to miss a week. We apologize for, for doing that, but I ended up getting COVID and then my wife got it and both of my kids got it. And so. you're all vaxxed and boosted. And, and nothing mattered when wow. it came to us anyway, as far as getting it or not. So... We got it first time we had it, and you know, couple of days it cleared out of our system, and but the, it was the domino effect that got us. And then when it comes to work wise, they make you stay out the whole week. So that's right. That explains why we we did not have a show last week. So I'm sorry for that. I mean, because you already had this one locked and loaded, we were ready to go. I've had this written for like three weeks, so I've been itching to to get in here and do this with you. So I'm finally very happy to be back and do this episode. With you, Karen, and for you listening for part two of the mysteries of sound and how it all kind of comes together when it comes to a kind of maybe a, an ancient, you know, an alien language, so to That's speak. That's right. That's yes. right. So very, very excited to do this part two. But before we get into uh, our continuation here of where we left off a couple weeks ago, you know we got to do the factoid. And I know you got a good one because we were really excited about this. Yeah. With the James Webb uh, Telescope. We told you that on July 12th, they were going to, NASA was going to reveal the first images from the James Webb Telescope. Well, we have seen them and they are amazing. You're seeing galaxies that are shining around other galaxies whose light has been bent. And you're seeing just a small little portion of the universe. That is Bill Nelson, the head of NASA, of course. They released five full-color, high-def images from the James Webb Telescope, which cost $10 billion bucks. How do you like that? Took 25 years to put the thing together and get it out there in space. And it, what it's showing is the cosmos and what it looked like 13.8 billion years ago. So it's like, okay, so it's old news, all right? Right. <laughs> but still, just the images, I don't know, they were amazing to me. I was watching as they revealed them. It was awe-inspiring, and I'm sure you've seen the, the images as well. And, you know, maybe we'll tweet some out just it's in like case you haven't seen some. It's like the birth of a star. Yeah. A black hole. I mean, then there were five galaxies in one shot. And they're all seemingly around each other. I know they're not actually that close. Right. But the pictures themselves. One was, they were combining. Yeah. And then, of course, the ones that are being bent by light. I mean, it's just, it was just so fascinating to look at. And, of course, for us, we look at it and oh. think, 
just imagine the amount of life that's out there that we can't even begin to understand and fathom in the vastness of the universe. Intelligent life. Right. And the Webb Telescope has enough fuel on board for 20 more years of research, which is really exciting. In the words of the famous Carl Sagan, somewhere something incredible is waiting to be known. I think those words are becoming reality. Nicely said. (laughs) Heavy duty. Yeah, that's really good stuff. So I guess over the next 20 years of us doing the show, we'll keep you updated on the James Webb Telescope and the discoveries that uh, we come across. Really cool stuff. Now, let's go ahead. I know I was going to say last week, but I guess I'll say last time because it's been a couple weeks since we actually got to do the episode when we had part one on the on the mysteries of sound and the language and everything when it comes to it. We had this quote, and I'm going to bring it up again because it's going to be very relevant here for part two. If you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. And that was, of course, from Nikola Tesla. Yeah, it's right. It's true. So... I guess with that in mind, Karen. Yes. We'll start with the basic question. And I think it's, you know, we get so deep into things, maybe we forget some of the basics sometimes, (laughs) you know. And it's a question that we really haven't isolated and asked yet. And that is, what is sound? Ah. What is it? Well, I think we hit on it in the first episode because we were talking about sound in space. And then you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> it's a vacuum, you can't hear sound in space, so right. what is it? So I guess in that sense, and with, with that thought in mind, I guess we should better say, how do you quantify it or measure it? Right. And that is, right. by it's defined by its frequencies, the frequency right. that it gives off. And we measure those frequencies in hertz. So the reason why I want this, you're going to hear the term of measurement hertz a few times in this episode, and that's how frequencies measured and ultimately sound. But it's also vibration because our right. eardrum hears sound through the vibration. Sure, and, and I the know, little, and the little anvil bones in your ear. And I know we'll we'll get comments on, uh, you know. Apple and Spotify say, well, the sound's measured in decibels. I understand that. But I'm saying, <laughs> look, I get it. I yeah, get it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm getting? Uh, when you. we break it down to its most elemental point, yeah. it's frequency. But that does bring it to someone who we mentioned many times and who we mentioned in that quote throughout really the existence of our now year-long run on, on this show. We've talked about Tesla a lot, kind of in passing, but we've never actually kind of focused on, on him before. But this brings up, I thought, a great opportunity to do that, to really kind of look at Tesla. Because like Pythagoras and Herodotus before him, who we covered in part one, both of those guys, Tesla was very much aware of the different... Uh, possibilities that could arise when you were able to harness the power of frequencies. Yeah. Now, unfortunately for him, and quite frankly for us, he was never able to make this knowledge mainstream enough to change the way we live like he wanted to. And here's a couple of examples of some of the things Tesla was working on, in case you were unfamiliar with his background. In 1901, Tesla started building the Wardenclyffe Tower with funding from J.P. Morgan. Tesla hoped he would be able to create a wireless system to take the world off the grid. When Marconi beat Tesla to wireless radio transmission across the Atlantic, Tesla changed his plans for the tower. When J.P. Morgan learned of Tesla's plans for free energy, he immediately cut funding to the project. After all, Morgan was a titan of electricity in his own right, a goliath in the copper industry, as well as being a capitalist whose work focused around profiting from others. So there you have it. We don't have free energy because my bank 
That's right. Chase Bank. Yes. Wanted to make money. That J.P. Morgan. So annoying. And I understand capitalist society. I get it. I get it. You know, look, hey, it's multi-generational wealth beyond our imaginations that, you know, the Morgan family has. But it's only the 0.00% of the world is benefiting from it. We'd all, 99.999% would benefit. It would be nice. We had free electricity. So, yeah, that J.P. Morgan of Chase, that Marconi who invented radio. Thank God. Yeah, really. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. But they were all in play there with Tesla. And he had tapped into this ancient knowledge. And the bigwigs, of course, you know, like J.P. Morgan of corporate America, wanted nothing to do with that because there was no money in it for them. That's right. And it's still pretty much the same way today, honestly. I mean, we have the power, no pun intended. Right, right. Of course. I mean, you could say that, not to get into a rabbit hole here, but you can say Things with medicine, whether it's medicine, electricity, whatever. Oh, you mean like curing cancer? Well, you know, uh-huh. there's <laughs> there's many, many things that, you know, possibilities that are out there, but they may or may not be let out, just like Tesla was, was stymied because the big corporations are like, no, we are going to make money off of this. <laughs> so, yeah. well, Valiant Thor. Exactly. There's, he was, he told. What? The people at the Pentagon, hey, you guys, you know. Here's how you can cure disease, have peace in the world. And And they're they're like, like, "Mm, what? No, we're good. If you don't know what we're talking about, (laughs) we did that. It's a very early episode. I want to say maybe somewhere in the first 20 episodes you can check that. I think it was uh, Aliens in the Government, I believe it was, maybe like 16 or 17, somewhere in there. But we went over a lot with Valley and Thor. It's always one of my favorite stories, though, because there's always so much that we connect back. This isn't the first time we've connected back to Valley and Thor. Nope. He was a Venusian. He lived... So they say, the story goes, he came from Venus, lived inside Venus, and came to Earth as far as like a, you know, a missionary trip and tried to better our world. And they said, no, thanks. And so he left eventually after working at the Pentagon for a few years, the way the story goes. And you kind of see that same type of scenario here with Tesla. It's like, hey, I found a way for free energy. And they're like, there ain't no money in free, yeah, Nikola. Yeah, stop it. <laughs> Get out of here. So for Tesla, he did. he took that knowledge, though. Of you know frequencies and vibrations, and learn how that could translate into electrical energy, or better yet, something he referred to as get ready for this cosmic energy. In 1905, Nikola Tesla submitted a patent entitled "The Art of Transmitting Electrical Energy Through the Natural Medium." Tesla had realized that the ionosphere was filled with electrical energy that could be easily tapped into. Seeing the world as one big electrical generator, Tesla believed that by using an appropriate medium, limitless energy could be harnessed from the magnetic poles which the planet centered around. Tesla wanted to condense trapped energy between the surface of the Earth and its upper atmosphere and transform it into an electrical current. The Sun, to Tesla, was merely a ball of electricity positively charged with potentially 200 billion volts. To the contrary, Earth was charged with negative electricity, and to Tesla, this force constituted what he called cosmic energy. To experiment and test his ideas, Tesla created the Tesla coil in Colorado Springs on Pikes Peak. So, (laughs) nice little origin story there. I know it's a little heady, but... When you get into it, I'm glad he said it because I would have a hard time. I didn't realize the Earth had negative energy, though. Yeah, how do you like that? And that's why it's 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 still like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> All I those know. things that Tesla discovered over a hundred years ago, it could easily be done right now. Like all these, you know, companies. Oh, we got these electric cars. Well, great. How about some free energy? 
<laughs> Come oh, on gosh. now. It's not like you don't know how to do it. But anyway. Oh, my god. We'll go off on a, on a tangent No, here. he actually, you know, you're right. Um, you know, the world today could have wireless energy. And he was quoted as saying this. More than 25 years ago, I began my efforts to harness cosmic rays. And I have succeeded. Electric power is everywhere, present in unlimited quantities. This new power for the driving of the world's machinery will be derived from the energy which operates in the universe without the need for coal, gas, oil, or any other fuel. So why, after so much time has passed, do we still use metered linear energy sources to power our daily lives? Our household and workplace machines and most personal devices we use all still run on grid-provided electricity instead of this apparent free energy, which was meant to be so readily available. Utilizing this energy would finally stop the global reliance on fossil fuels and nuclear power. However, from a macroeconomic stability perspective, this is their worst nightmare. 99.999% of people on the planet would benefit from this, leaving less than 0.001% of the population out of pocket. This is because that small percentage are the ones at the top of the petrodollar system in the macroeconomic order, where everything runs on metered linear energy, even solar power and wind energy. So, yep, money, 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 money. It's what it comes I, down to. It makes me nauseated. It's very annoying to think about, but I guess the the overall point here that we're making, not to make you angry, you think about all the free energy that's out there and all the money that we're wasting and, you know, gases well, and all these things. we're destroying the earth, though. Well, hey, I guess they don't care that much, do they? <laughs> if they if they don't want to give us that's uh, free reality. energy. That's the reality. It's amazing, isn't we're it? We're not preaching. We're just, you know, we just let that guy tell you. Right, that we're just giving you the explanation there. That's That that, that wasn't us. That's just an explanation yeah. of really the reality, which right. when you boil down to it, the simple explanation is money. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. There was too much money to be made, and there's still too much money to be made. So that's why these discoveries of Tesla, who built off of these ancient discoveries from Pythagoras and Herodotus by using frequencies and things like that and discovering the energies in in the world, and quite frankly, the galaxy and the universe, that it's still being bogged down, and it's out there. And I do think that people in the past, maybe thousands of years ago, figured out how to use the energy. Well, it is amazing. And we just somehow went back to... Like the Stone Age. 
it's just lost knowledge. But it's it, he did take that knowledge of the ancients, like you know Pythagoras and you know the music of the spheres that we talked about in in part one that uh, Pythagoras had, where he spoke about the different vibrations that each planet gives off right. and was able to make it you know in his own and kind of take that extra step. Tesla was able to. So there's so much to his story, though, just in general, Tesla. We really could do an entire episode just yeah. on him. What's the Tesla coil? The thing that he had in Denver. That was basically with like kinetic energy and and everything. Oh, so, so that it wasn't was, the tower. No, it was it was a little bit different. But that's where he was kind of testing out his theory, and that's when he realized everything he theorized was in fact true. Oh my gosh! But then all of a sudden, there goes that funding. But right. I, yeah, exactly. But keep in mind, the main kind of the main thing here is that he did a lot of study into the magic frequency as well. What's that? Well, that kind of takes us into our next subject. Ah. And uh, again, we could do a whole episode on Tesla. We could just do a whole episode on what we did there. But I want to kind of get into some of these other things that connects everything we've been talking about here from part one. So with the magic frequency, what if there was like this magic number, so to speak, when it comes to frequency? What was Tesla looking for specifically? Well, we're going to go with an ancient example here again, okay? Not to kind of revert back to part one, but just one more time, because according to these findings, the ancients knew once again how to channel this power. So we're going to go all the way to the island of Malta, Karen. Oh, boy. I forgot my passport. Yeah, well, just make sure you go get it. It's <laughs> If you're not familiar with where Malta is, uh, kind of the geography of it, I'll let you know. Not that I'm a geography expert. I had to look this up. It's a small island nation south of Italy. It's in the Mediterranean Sea. It's just what? At the point of the boot or the heel of the boot? I think it's below the heel. I got you. There you go. So, but in, in that, or on that island, I should say, they have like this mysterious series of caves. They're called the Hypogeum. And this is another subject probably where we could dedicate an entire episode to it because researchers have been baffled with how these caves were built in the first place. Just... Like their size, their scale, and their maze-like construction—it's—it's it's like a labyrinth down there. Huh. Not to mention, by the way, I'll just kind of say this in passing: the oddly shaped skulls that were found there. Oh boy! Hello, the elongated skulls that okay. they can't explain because the suture uh, signature that humans have down the middle of the skull was not there in those skulls. So, hmm. just throwing that out there: those skulls were found in these caves in Malta, but also found there is uh, the, the resonant something in what we like to call archaeoacoustics. Yeah, there's an archaeoacoustician here that wants to explain this magic frequency. They call it uh, the God or the Holy Frequency, which is 111 hertz. Okay. Paul Devereaux, an archaeoacoustician, a professor from Cambridge University in the UK, has also discovered that the burial mounds of Cairns also resonated sounds at this mysterious 111 hertz. Devereaux investigated this intriguing relation of 111 hertz and found out something quite interesting. He realized there were many ancient texts describing beliefs which are based on a divine sound or divine frequency principle. Huh. There you go. So. Notice the terms there, divine sound, divine frequency, which is why they call it, we're not getting preachy here, I'm t- this is what they call it, the God or the holy frequency. So why is that? What What is it about this frequency that... It's not the om, though. Om. It's similar to it, but like not Hinduism the same thing. Hinduism and Buddhism, they use om, okay. Right, but you're right, though. I mean, om, it's the same principle. 
on why in in is it Hinduism or, or Buddhism? Both, it's both, both right? Yeah. Where they use the the Om chant to kind of channel the energy, if you will. So it does have that same thought process behind it. But I just want us to take that in real quick before moving on to the next bit of info because this next part right here might blow your mind. If you heard part one, oh, which came out a couple weeks ago, then uh, this is really quite the connection. According to Devereaux, Pythagoras ah. created his musical scale Aha. starting with the note A, which curiously resonates at the frequency of 111 hertz. Aha. Additionally, Further research with MRI scans has shown that the brain switches off the prefrontal cortex and also deactivates the language center that is responsible for holistic processing, creativity, intuition, and inducing an emotional plateau at exactly 111 hertz. Huh. There you go. Whoa. Now that right there, that there is science, Karen. That is. <laughs> and also... I know that it starts with A because it's all cows eat grass. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Okay. That's how I learned to play the piano. A C E G. All cows eat grass. Bong. <laughs> F A C E. Bong. Whatever works. Oh, my God. <laughs> but isn't that fascinating? Yes, it is. It's, I can't believe it. So they find this stuff out. 111 hertz, when we talked about Pythagoras last week, when basically he used math to create the Western musical scale that we still use today, of you're talking about there with your bongs. Yes. And then, yeah, <laughs> not the bongs you're thinking of, no, the sound. I don't smoke <laughs> And then, of course, when you, when you talk about the MRI scans, when they actually... Yeah. Go in scientifically, medically, to discover what this frequency is doing to the brain. It actually does have a physical effect on people where it shuts off one part and activates another. That's extremely fascinating. It is. I, I know. I agree 100%. So the fact that these caves it's, in Malta. It's limbic resonance, as uh, Elon Musk says. It affects the brain, like music and all of that. Right. And so they knew this. Yeah. In these, these ancient caves, they knew that there was something to these... This frequency. Who's telling them this? How did they find this stuff out? That's right. So, by the way, these this same frequency is also found in other ancient sites, one of them being Cambodia. So it's not just Malta. Really? Oh. So you actually have connections around the world, which we always look at and say, well, how is that possible? How did other civilizations know the same thing when there was no form of communication that we know of? So just for reference also, what happens exactly when your mind tunes into this frequency? That's what we're asking, right? Why is it so important? Why does it seem to pop up in all these different occurrences? Did these ancient people of Malta and in Cambodia and other spots in the world know something about how to connect to the cosmos that we largely do not? Okay, they did more studies. Here's what happened when a field test was conducted with people who were subjected to that frequency of 111 hertz, the holy frequency. This reaction many field tests revealed resulted in an experience described as a divine level of meditation in a number of subjects. This trance, some now believe, allows one to get connected with the universe, God, or a creator. The question is, who knew such advanced knowledge so far back within antiquity? How were they able to create such stone structures which amplified one's voice to exactly this frequency? It seems preposterous to continue to attest that this amazing structure was somehow built by our lesser capable modern ancestors over 3,500 years ago. 
Wow. Okay, so this isn't theory. This isn't us speculating. These, these were studies that were done. I think this is worth pointing out that show definitively when the brain is subjected to this frequency of 111 hertz, there are physical effects to the point where this trance-like state, feeling like you're connecting to something of a higher power, whatever you want to think that higher power is, that was happening in this field study. So why did these ancient people, who were they connecting to? Was it God? Was it somebody else? The Cossack record? <laughs> I, maybe. It's, it's fascinating yeah. that... You know, it take all this time to find these caves and realize, holy cow, how were these even built? What are these weird skulls that are in here? And, oh, hey, this holy frequency was also found here. What were they using it for? And Amazing. how did they know it existed? Amazing. Makes you wonder. So could this knowledge have been used from the, the people of Malta and other parts of the ancient world as some sort of, I guess, a cosmic telephone? Hello. If you will. E.T. phone home. Yes. Uh, kind of connecting us with our inter interplanetary counterparts. In a way that is hard for us to understand today because we're so preoccupied with modern time things that distract us. Yeah. If it sounds crazy, then consider this one final example here today on, on part two of this series. In the early 1970s, Karen, mm -hmm. the CIA, be yes, I know, the CIA began something called Project Stargate. I know we're getting into the waters of CIA government conspiracies and experiments, but that's where this takes us. That's right. We kind of made a leap from where we began, but this is, this is what happens. It doesn't change the fact, though, that one particular experiment during this time could prove exactly pretty much what we've been talking about, which is using sound and frequencies to open up cosmic lines of communication. And that is exactly what happened to a guy named John Vivanco. Now, John was a remote viewer. Again, it's funny because these were all things that I think we probably could have done episodes on just oh, yeah, by just themselves. individually, right. But they're just so fascinating and put them all in because they really all did connect which is amazing because it's all these different time periods, different parts of the world, but the same principle of using sound and frequencies to connect to something higher, some type of higher you know, plane of consciousness, I suppose. And that's what the CIA was doing with, with Project Stargate. So they, they knew there was something to this. Now, Vivanco, he was a remote viewer for the CIA. He was part of Project Stargate, which was a program, by the way, used they, they, they were training psychics. They were finding people who, through testing and interviewing, they felt they had some type of, you know, psychic uh, inclination more than other people. So they would say, all right, well, let's train you more and train you to become a remote viewer to spy on the Russians. If you ever saw Men Who Stare at Goats, mm -hmm. I think the movie is about remote viewing. And, That's right. And the CIA thing. Yes. Yeah, it's about you can just sit in a room with other remote viewers and travel anywhere around the world and you see stuff kind of like stranger things right, with, with right, 11 right exactly i mean it's 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 the same principle so go. now there were of course you know not only the russians but other global adversaries so that's what the the idea of the program was is to get information remotely one thing that they found to be useful though was to put the remote viewers into like a trance with the help oh, of sound interesting. waves again kind of like with stranger sure. things sure. right oh with her in the bathtub right right so specifically with, now, we're not giving away spoilers. If you ever watch Stranger Things, don't worry. We're not doing anything like that. Specifically, though, they would use targeted frequencies of 5 hertz. Now, why was that? Here we have the U.S. government using essentially the same principles that ancient civilizations that we mentioned in Malta and Cambodia, just to name a couple, that they were using. So, do you think they were on to something all those years ago? Yes. <laughs> using the same principles here. 
So when this was done on John Favanco, he went into his, you know, expected trance. He'd done it before, and he'd tried his remote viewing capabilities to complete the mission at hand and look into Moscow. But instead of peering into Mother Russia, Uh he got a glimpse of something very unexpected. Oh, dear. According to Vivanco, it was at this time when he made interstellar contact with a gray alien. (gasps) He was obviously startled, as any of us would be, but he says that the alien seemed almost pleased. That he was communicating with, almost like, hey, you cracked a code, you know? <laughs> you, you dumb you, humans. You found it. You found me out. You finally figured out how to talk to us is basically like the feeling oh, that he got. Oh, wow. By using the 5 hertz frequency to go in to this trance. Now, this, of course, was kept highly classified until uh, Vivanco came out with the story and his exploits detailing his decades of experience. And he's not the first remote viewer to do that. We've talked about a couple of guys and military experience who were remote viewers for 20 years and end up telling their stories eventually. Yeah, mental travelers. Yeah. Now, with something like that in mind, though, is it that crazy to, when you take all this into account to make the leap that we have been missing the big picture here? Oh, uh, I think so. You know, is there is there really something to all this? In fact, and you, you brought this up earlier, Karen, so to your point... It's even been reported that scientists have been experimenting with frequencies between 100,000 and 300,000 hertz to target cancer cells uh, and break them up. Interesting, using by sound using, to by cure. By using sound, by using acoustics, the oh, vibration. wow. To basically just, you know, break them up with, with the vibration. Now, I want to take you from the 70s to the 80s. You're to, when were you born? 1986. God bless you. Very this, revealing here today. What day? June 21st. Okay, well, on October 4th, 1986, while walking along Park Avenue to his apartment in Manhattan, the CBS News anchor Dan Rather oh, sure. was attacked and punched from behind by two men. I remember this story. Yeah. and Well, R.E.M. wrote a song about it, and there was a cartoon. Well, it's a frequency, Kenneth. That's, That's a great song. Right. Yes. These two men wearing black with a white shirt and a black tie attacked him and demanded to know, Kenneth, what is the frequency? The second assailant chased him and beat him. Oh, as they pummeled and kicked him, they kept repeating the question, what's the frequency, Kenneth? Huh. So, uh, here's Dan Rather after a few days. You he found it? He you went, found the audio? He went back on the air oh, geez. to explain, you know, what happened. In closing tonight, a personal note, if I may. Over the weekend, as some of you may have already heard or read, I was assaulted with violence on a Manhattan street. Why and exactly by whom remains unclear, and it may never be determined. Perhaps it was just another one of those bizarre and frightening incidents that seem to happen from time to time in our country and elsewhere. I do know that I was luckier than many other Americans who've been victims of violent crime, and for that I'm very thankful. Aside from a little stiffness and some bumps and bruises, I'm feeling fine. I just want to thank those who came to my aid and all of you who have written or called to express your concern. We'll see you here again tomorrow night. Good night. This is on the CBS Evening News. That's right, yeah. And he's talking about a violent attack. He doesn't bring up the What's the Frequency, Kenneth? Mm-hmm. But later on the Letterman show, he joined REM to sing the song. Oh, is that right? What's the Frequency, Kenneth? That's him singing with him. I think I could hear him a little yeah. bit. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> Crazy. That is nuts. I remember hearing about that story. Did they ever figure out what those no. guys were talking about? No. Were they just whacked out? Well, and, you know, people made fun of him hmm. about it because of it, you know. But 
he said, is it one of those just strange mysteries that happens from time to time? Or were they part of Project Stargate and Who lost knows? their minds? It was just 10 years later. Yeah. I mean, it's maybe, I don't know, maybe these guys were former remote viewers and they lost their minds and they were having flashbacks. They sound like men in black. Yeah, it's very strange. Well, like, what did they know? Was there exactly. something going on there? But we do in a future episode have to do, you know, Hollywood and how it kind of explains everything we've been talking about in from various movies all the way through the years to Stranger Things. Yeah. they Everything that we tell you about that actually happened has been depicted in Hollywood film. It is pretty rough. It's always fascinating. Yeah. How do they know? Yeah, it's kind of weird. But on all this subject here and my final thought, get ready because it's kind of heavy. Okay. So strap in on the seatbelt there that we have on our chairs. Because it's been a kind of a trippy couple of shows, somewhat. And this is kind of where I'm at right now with connecting these dots, okay? So when you take everything into account that we've spoken about in these first two, or well, in the two parts of this series about the mysteries of sound and the other worldly mysteries and secrets of sound, I've gathered that sound is indeed physical. It comes to us through vibrations and frequencies, which we can feel. Think about when you're at a concert and you're standing in front of a big speaker. You feel that vibration in your chest. Or the shuttle taking off, remember? Sure, yes, exactly. You feel that rattling in your chest. For Florida people like us who have been to sh- shuttle launches, very fortunate. Now, And music, as we know, now know anyway, because of what we talked about with uh, Pythagoras, is a derivative of math, which is, of course, the universal language itself. And since music emits sounds and the following vibrations and frequencies, it can be said that it also correlates to math. It all does. It all comes back to math. So essentially, it all comes together as one language. (laughs) Well, you have the binary code. I mean, yeah, it's all math. It all comes together. So, you know, for us, we're used to speaking separate languages, of course. You know, different words, different dialects. They all have different meanings, different accents. Earthly languages, so to speak. But when you kind of think about it, it starts. Well, that's how that gray said, hey, you, you, you finally figured it out. He was communicating with the gray through sound. Yeah, exactly. Well, not through sound, but through math. But what if we're missing the big picture here? What if these things, you know, are just multiple lines of communication, you know, all leading to that one universal truth? So throw away your iPhone and <laughs> pick up a tuning fork. Yes, that's right. And call me. Start start off with your frequencies. But seriously, what you know, if there's like this one line that we're we're just not seeing, but people have used before to this this one truth, which is maybe this is how we were all meant to communicate with each other. Going back to John Favanco, like you said, with you know remote viewing, speaking to the alien by going into that trance. Well, I do think that we've talked about it before that aliens communicate through telepathically right right? that's right yes just mentally i mean it's energy it's thought it's maybe it's frequency it could be i mean so not only with each other here on earth but maybe elsewhere throughout the cosmos is where we're supposed to be able to communicate right if we really dive into these things we may come across the universal key to a plane of understanding and consciousness that our ancestors and even Tesla himself may have seemingly already been able to tap into. We may be able to communicate with ourselves four billion years ago. Maybe that's right? a form of time travel. Yeah, I don't know. You know, because it's, our our souls just continue to in, uh, in, inhabit in, in, different yeah. <laughs> different bodies, right? According to some theories, yeah. I mean, if with Edgar Casey, things that we spoke about with him, 
in, in previous episodes. So I think it was like at nine, 20 and 21, somewhere in there with Edgar Casey. <laughs> You want to go back and listen to those? I love him. He's so interesting. Oh, he was so interesting. That was a two-part series, actually. So, no, I'm not high. So, if you're listening to this thinking, (laughs) what did this guy smoke before they made this episode? It's just, when you really dive into it. He just has brain fog from his COVID. Yeah, you're not kidding. Is that what that is? I thought it was just dumb. So, when you you really (laughs) dive into it, though, which I did. I mean, when when we made these two episodes, I really dove into this and and kind of got deep in in the research and the thought process and I s- just kind of started to come together and thinking it's all right there yeah and you know they're using sound using frequencies and to to communicate this god frequency of 111 hertz what are you connecting to what are you what are you seeing when you're there if anything maybe it doesn't work for everybody i don't know but by all accounts, they did studies and people went into these different trances. Different things were activated in the mind. It's, it just it, it makes you wonder, that's all. And I think that's our main point here with this two-part series was to bring up the, the science behind it, the details behind it, and just ask the questions. In the end, what does this all mean for us? What could it mean? What are we missing? You know, and I think that's, it's worth exploring. Yeah, and if you hear the sound of our voices... It all ties together, and that's what makes this podcast so fun. Yeah. Because it always harkens back to something we've already talked about. Right. It, <laughs> they all, the dots all connect. They always do, which I swear we don't mean to do. But no, it just, but it continues to do it. It always happens Which that I way. think validates everything. Right. I think you're right. Because that's if you're investigating a crime, right? It's yeah. always connecting the dots that's when things right. connect. Right. That's when you know... Hey, hey, we found it. <laughs> you can de- you can determine for yourself what you That's think. right. That's that's what we're always about. You make up your own mind. And you can make up your own mind next time as well when we come back because we're going to talk about cultures older than Egypt. <gasps> Yay! What the heck was going on there? What kind of alien ties were there that they're not really talked about that much, but we're going to talk about them. So we're talking like 10,000 years ago. Yes. I mean, sometimes they think that the pyramids date back that far. Yeah, it's we really don't know. We're gonna we're gonna predate ancient Egypt and really come across some mind blowing things that are gonna make you say, "All right, maybe I didn't believe before, but you guys are really starting to make me think there might be something to this." We're gonna put instant coffee in the microwave and go back in time. Just wait till you hear that. But that'll be on episode forty nine of UAP. This was episode forty eight. So thank you for listening. Make sure to check us out on Apple and Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Amazon Music. I didn't know we were there, but yeah. we are. <laughs> Podcast1.com, of course, 850WFTL.com. Apple. Apple, of course. So, And make sure you continue to leave us your reviews, your thoughts. Give us five extraterrestrial stars if you feel that that's, we are worthy of it. We appreciate that. And we'll put the photos from the web telescope up as well. Yeah, I'll tweet those out. That'll be on our blog page there for on 850WFTL.com as well, So, along with this episode. So find us anywhere. Continue to download and subscribe and just have some fun with us on UAP. Thanks, Karen. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. We're going to talk to you again next time right here on UAP, the Unidentified Alien Podcast. Have a good one.